Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, Factor Around and Find Out fans? Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Bill West, and I am your sinus-infected co-host. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode on the Datlov Past Mystery. This is a super cool story. It's also a very creepy, very scary story, and people will be straight up dying in this one. So if you got little ones in the backseat of the car while you're driving them to daycare, maybe you just like... You know, wait till you drop them off or wait till you get them to bed tonight. Here's what, actually, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait until the kids go to bed. And then I want you to take one of your earbuds and I want you to place it lovingly in your spouse's ear. And then I want you to place the other one in your ear. And then I want you to take a limp spaghetti noodle and I want you to put it in each of your mouths. And I want you to slowly and lovingly draw in that spaghetti noodle over the course of about an hour just staring into each other's eyes and listening to this podcast. And I promise you, at the end of this hour, you will be more in love with that person than you've ever thought possible because that's what this podcast does. It brings couples together. It reignites passion. That's what we're about here at Fact Around and Find Out. Stick around to the very end because we've got a killer listener email segment. We got some really, really good content from you guys this week. Thank you so much for writing in. Fact around and find out at gmail.com is the place to drop knowledge on us, opinions, corrections, whatever you got. We want to hear it. We appreciate it. Keep it going. Like and subscribe. Give us those five-star reviews. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. You know the drill. So without further ado... Justin, please roll that beautiful, beautiful theme music. See ya! (laughs) Dead people got... No reason to live. <laughs> no reason to live. That's not. It's not, like okay. So welcome back to the podcast. Okay. I will. Hey guys. <laughs> I didn't see. Didn't that see coming. that one coming, did you? So yeah, we yeah, always yeah. do the. Uh, hey, this one, no one dies. And then uh, this week, yeah, we're going. Actually, we've never done one entirely like this. That's true. Uh, this is one of the episodes where everybody dies. Er, everybody, everybody, literally everybody dies, except for one. That's true. We have one that doesn't. That's true. And we will get to that. One does not. You guys are back listening to Fact Around and find out. 
I am very happy to be here with you guys today. It's another Wednesday. I hope you guys enjoyed Amelia Earhart parts one and two. We really enjoyed doing those. Bill did a great job on those. Thanks, Bill. No, thanks, buddy. I want to just give a quick shout out. All the people that have uh, written in and given kind words to my daughter, June, who helped with the intro. She was so excited when I when I played that for her. And she asked me literally, she was like, Daddy, am I famous now? And I was yes. Like, yes. Yes, honey. You, you are. are famous now. <laughs> yes, you are. But we got lots of positive feedback about that. And it, it and what is today? See, we record this on Fridays, just so everybody knows. Yeah, I think we've absolutely. mentioned it a few yeah. times uh, on the podcast. What is September the 23rd? Well, that would be my, my sweet daughter June's birthday. So happy birthday, June. It's June's day. Happy birthday. It's, it's June's, June's day. day. We came up with a name driving down the road, listening to a podcast called, uh, how did this get made? Okay. And one of the hosts is, is June Diane Rayfield. And yeah. we were just like, June, that's a cool name. So see, my daughter's name is Penelope and she's the world to me and all those things. And she was conceived in the fall. And so her mm. grandparents, when we were trying to come up with names said, maybe we should name her something like autumn. I don't hate it because she was conceived in the fall. And I said, if we're using that logic, we could also name her suburban. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta keep that. That did not go over very well at Thanksgiving (laughs) when letting somebody know that we were now with child. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of fact around and find out. We do appreciate you being here. I, yep. As always, I'm Justin White. And I, as most of the time, am Bill West. And today we're discussing the Dyatlov Pass mystery. This is our first ever listener-recommended topic. And it comes to us by FAFO superfan, Mr. Joel Effler. Thank you, Joel. Joel. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks, Joel. It's a good topic, too. In January of 1959, 23-year-old mountaineer Igor Dyatlov led an expedition of eight highly experienced hikers to summit the peak of Mount Ortorton in Siberia. Most of the hikers were from the Ural Polytechnical Institute. Go fighting comrades, I guess, or <laughs> so, yeah, something like, like that. that. Yeah, um, <laughs> These were young hikers, but they were very experienced hikers. They had been doing this for years. They had trained uh, as outdoorsmen. This was their thing, for sure. Outdoors, yeah. uh, outdoors persons. Peoples, yeah. Outdoor peoples, yeah. Um, so this expedition started in January in Soviet Russia. Yeah. I'm going to get that, that accent down. I've been trying to do it all morning. I'm going to. It sounded pretty good, man. I'm going to say it's it was getting there. It's getting for, there. A, for a southern boy. Yeah, right. Um, I'm from southern Soviet Russia. Um, so need. <laughs> yeah, right. The the balmy part of Russia. Mostravin, y'all. <laughs> uh, so needless to say, it's cold. These are very harsh conditions. We're talking like negative thirty degrees for lows overnight. It's uh, it's windy. It's blustery weather. It's it's, frankly, it's just crappy weather. It's just crappy, yeah. But I mean, yeah. Basically, it's what the Russians refer to as spring break. Like, what, <laughs> what do you th- what do you think Russian spring break is like? Like, instead of like a wet t shirt contest, they have like the saddest widow competition. Oh my gosh! In Soviet Russia, spring break takes shots of you. <laughs> yeah, like, like instead of wet t shirt contests, they have like what? Like the hungriest orphan. <laughs> like. Standing at the end of a long line. Who can stand at the end of the line the longest? But it has to be the, the end longest. of the line. Yeah, yeah. Like staring into yeah. the darkness, waiting for sweet, sweet death. It just sounds that that, <laughs> that that is what they do. That's the that's a spring break there. Yeah, Bill. This is like the absolute middle of nowhere. 
Uh, if you don't know where Siberia is, it's one of those countries that everybody's tried to, anybody tries to invade Russia, Russia's got a really keen way of jumping back to Siberia because it's even difficult for them. They, and they live there, right? And so you fall back to Siberia. It is an absolutely unforgiving part of the world. And not only that, it's the winter. Yeah. So the trip itself was supposed to take about two weeks to complete. On February 1st, 1959, the team embarked on a trek through a then unnamed pass. They were cross-country skiing to get there. And get this, Justin, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but it wasn't all men. There were actually two ladies in this expedition as well. That's a pretty progressive uh, stance for this time. I will say this as well, just to touch on what you said. Yeah. If you decide to do something that's never been done before, don't do it somewhere that's unnamed. Because <laughs> if something bad happens. <laughs> because there's a likelihood that it's going to end up being named after your goofy and that's yeah, what you <laughs> like I've always said this if 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 I get a disease that no one has had before yeah like R.I.P. Lou Gehrig right like yeah, please right, right, don't right, right. name that weird disease it's <laughs> like oh you mean when your fingernails just fall off oh you mean Justin White's disease I heard you got J.Y. disease yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah, please yeah, yeah. don't do yeah. that but yeah also don't do sketchy shit walking through an unnamed <laughs> location if you're gonna do sketchy shit, Go somewhere that has an actual name that's already established that everyone knows. But yeah, no, it's pretty progressive at the time because uh, there were two women on the expedition with them who were also very experienced hikers and outdoors people. Absolutely. I mean, these were some pretty groovy Ruskies, man. I mean, is Ruski still a word we can say? <laughs> Probably not. You canceled. Yeah, you'll have that from time to time. Yeah. So they forge ahead. They were hit with the blizzard. They actually had to go through several different camps. They had gone by plane, then they went by um, uh, a big truck that they all rode in the back of. There's photographic evidence of the majority. I mean, it's 1959. Right. There's photographic evidence of a lot of this expedition. Um, and then they finally get to the end of it. It's going to be like a cross-country skiing type situation. As they get into uh, the, the expedition itself... It was 10 people to start with, but one guy backs out. Right. And that was quite fortuitous. For him, in particular. My, my joints yeah. my joints hurt. He had some sort of a joint condition or whatever. Um, so they head out. They're forging through, and a blizzard hits. Sorry, did you look at the the photos oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of the group that they took? I mean, they were having a great time. They were smiling like, their they, butts they, off. Yeah, they were having they, a they great were smiling, time. Yeah. They had a, they, they wrote journals and they called it the, they had it, it was called their, their newspaper. Yeah. Like, well, they each like, had their own journals yeah. and then they had the one that was collective that everybody wrote in. Yeah. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, man. They were having fun. I mean, despite the conditions, they were having a good time. They were there. You're having as much fun as you can in Soviet Russia, in Siberia, <laughs> in a blizzard in the winter. You know, good times. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. When the blizzard finally hit, visibility was reduced to almost nothing. Uh, they got a little disoriented. So instead of heading on toward, you say it. What's the name of it? You do it better than me. I'm saying it's Ortorton. Ortorton. It looks like it. It's... Or Thornton. Why does it sound Italian? <laughs> or Thornton. They're heading that way, and they actually ended up uh, kind of heading west, and they found themselves at the base of a nearby mountain. So, Justin, what was the name of this nearby mountain that they found? I love that in our scripting and in our copy, you told me to try to say this in my best Russian accent. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say this. It doesn't matter what accent you use. It sounds Russian. There's not a way around yeah, it. Yeah, well, that is that is that is true. But you've got a great Russian. I'm working accent, on it. I'm working on it. it. So it's like it's yeah. uh, 
Kolat Shiaku. It's Kolat Shiaku as a southerner. Yeah. It's 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 Kolat <laughs> Kolat Siaku. I mean, it does sound nice and inviting. So, what exactly does that translate to? Like tranquility, peace, mountain. Yeah. Like, what is it? It's the uh, the mountain where nothing goes wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Peanut butter, mac and cheese mountain. That's what. That's yeah, what it, it uh, actually translates directly to the mountain of the dead. Yikes! That that can't be good, homie. No, it was not good, Bill. And this is where they decide to set up camp. Honestly, it was not an ideal place for them to set up camp. Aside from it being at the base of the pile of corpses mountain, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they were very much out in the open here. And they were only about a mile from the tree line, which would have provided them some shelter uh, from the wind and a little bit more warmth. So it's kind of unclear exactly why they chose to set up here. The one gentleman that did not go on the expedition did weigh in on why he thought, because him and Dietlov, Igor Dietlov, they were friends and they had been comrades, compatriots. They had been friends, compatriots for years and he kind of knew how he was uh, in doing these types types of expeditions, right? Like he knew mm-hmm. where his mindset would have been. So in an interview, they asked him about why. Um, some people say that it was maybe the blizzard. Uh, it made it so hard to see the tree line, so they didn't want to come back down, right? Um, maybe they were too tired to forge ahead. Uh, but this is where they decided to set up camp. This is about a mile up the hill from the tree line. He says that what he thinks happened was one of three things. Uh, and two of them are very closely related. They began the trek up the mountain and realized they were not going to make summit that night before nightfall. They didn't want to walk a mile and a half back down the mountain. Totally. Makes sense. In a blizzard. Totally makes sense. I'm not sense. walking back down this mountain. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Part one, I don't want to walk back down the mountain. That's that's a reason. Part two, if we do walk back down the mountain, that's a mile and a half back up that we have to walk tomorrow. Yeah, you're 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 saying like it's a mile and a half, but it's three miles. Three miles through a blizzard in Siberia. Yeah, Yeah. the most believable for me is that uh, number three, they were going to summit this mountain eventually, and Igor Dietlov was being the outdoorsman that he was knew that they were going to endure some pretty harsh conditions coming up, and this would be a great opportunity to practice setting up camp on the side with uh, of a mountain with no covered, no nothing. There's no windbreak from the trees. We get to practice this in kind of like a, a, a training camp situation. It, it, it's an easier way to, to, to do it the first time before we actually get to the summit. So that's kind of what uh, he thought. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Absolutely. So this is February the 2nd, 1959. They set up their base camp, but before they made dinner for the night, something horrible happened. Ooh, yeah. Flash forward to February 20th. No one had heard from the hikers, so a search party came out looking for them. They really didn't expect to find the team alive. Uh, they fully expected to find their frozen corpses, like hiker sickles, if you will. <laughs> like, six days later, the search party finds a camp, and what they found was truly bizarre. So, Justin, Jay White, what exactly did they find? So, the first thing they found was the camp itself. They found where the tent had been set up. Um, but there was something really odd about these tents. They they had been cut open, but they were cut open from the inside going out. And they actually had 
professional seamstresses from the Russian military and uh, had them inspect them. And that's how they actually figured out that they were cut from the inside, not from the outside. As if the hikers were trying to escape their tents quickly, like from the inside. Yeah. Oh my God, I got to get out of here. Like, and cut the tent open, right? Um, most of their gear was abandoned. They had all their boots lined up outside of the tent as if they had come in for the evening. We're trying to right. set up our camp. We got our boots out there. The skis were there. They were all set in the snow. The pictures of this are creepy. Uh, it, it, Very it, creepy. It's, it's haunting. Um, all their supplies were still there. Most of the food was still set up. All the food was set out and in. Uh, plates and dishes as if they were in the middle of right. eating or about some of them were about to begin eating whenever whatever happened happened it appeared they all just left so creepy in a, in a hurry so creepy i mean they it's found so footprints too so there were eight or nine sets of tracks in the snow and many of them had clearly been made by bare feet and they were in a single file line as if whenever they left they left calmly that's a big deal. They didn't wow. leave running. There was there were like eight or nine sets of footprints that all left in a very orderly fashion, walking back down the mountain. Oh, that is so bizarre. Yeah, there's no, there's not like spread it out or or, or like the the divots like when you dig when you run. No, they were walked footprints, nine sets for the nine people walking orderly, calmly. So let me get this right. You cut your way out of a tent in Siberia. <laughs> And left all yeah. your shit, food, yeah. boots, clothes, skis, and just calmly walked out of the camp. Oh man, that's so weird. I did, actually did not see that in my research. That's solid, dude. I, that's cool, man. Yep. They followed the footprints to the edge of the aforementioned woods that were about a mile downhill from the camp. And here's where they found the first truly gruesome discovery. So at the edge of the forest, at that tree line, there's a large cedar tree. They refer to it oftentimes in a lot of the documentaries you'll see in some of the writings about this as the big tree. They found remains of what's like a small campfire and two corpses frozen. I love you so much, Bill, just to death. Um, thank you so much for giving me all the hard names to read. You're welcome, buddy. Um, they were the remains of, and these are actually the two. So there's three Yuris, by the way, in this group of 10. There's three right. people named Yuri. So 30% right. of them were Yuris. It's a popular name. They were 30 per, I, is this the John Smith of Russia, of it, Soviet? I don't know. It has but, to be. So you have a uh, 21-year-old Yuri Doroshenko. Nailed it. I did Nailed that one it. first because it's easier. And you have 23-year-old Yuri Kravonashenko. Good job. Um, both of these guys, when they found them, thank you, Bill. That's very kind of you. Both of these men were found shoeless, wearing only their underwear. Groovy. Negative 30 degrees. Yeah. In Siberia. I mean, it's spring breaks. So. In your undies. Well, oh, maybe they <laughs> were at the, what, what, the, the, the Casa de whatever, the Chateau. <laughs> the Chateau. In, uh, <laughs> in, in Panama City Beach or wherever it That's is. That's where they, yeah, PCB. maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> They got airbrushed t-shirts, but they didn't have, they have airbrushed undies. Next, they found three more bodies. These three appear to have died on their way back to camp from the fire by the cedar tree. The big tree. Yeah, the big tree. Our leader, Dyatlov, Zenaida Kalmogorova, 22, and Rustam Slobodin, 23. Clearly, all of these hikers had died from hypothermia. But the corpses also had some bizarre wounds. I feel like every single one of these bodies that they found... 
well, I, I don't feel like I know that they all said at the corner that they all died of hypothermia, but there's a lot of wounds on these guys and gals that are definitely, I mean, sure. Hypothermia right. was like uh, the ultimate know, like cause a comortem kind of situation, mm-hmm. but it was not. Yeah. Um, investigators noted that Doroshenko was a brownish purple color in complexion and had gray foam coming from his right cheek and a gray liquid coming from his mouth. Apparently from the research I've done that typically stems from certain impacts to the lungs. If you have certain impacts to your lungs, a gray foam will come from your mouth or a gray liquid, which I, I did not know that prior to researching this. So Rustam had a two and a half inch gash in his head and a fractured skull you know, like hypothermia does. Uh, his flesh had been torn from his right forearm. He had bruises on both knuckles as if he had been fighting off something. So these guys were actually, these three were found heading back to camp. Yeah. They're on the way back up. Like the position of their bodies leads you to believe that that's what, but these are not injuries that, uh, that are consistent with hypothermia. Like, what happened? I got really cold, so part of my head fell off. Yeah, some reports even say that bits of flesh were found in the bark of a nearby tree, like maybe they were frantically trying to climb up to escape something. Or they were trying to get to the top of the tree to get dry wood. Hmm, interesting. Because the wood at the bottom would have not been as dry, and so they tried to climb the tree to get dry wood from the top and break the branches down. Or they were running from something. Or... We'll get to this uh, other theory later on in the show. They were having a tree climbing contest. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm really cold. Right, strip down You're your really underwear. Cold. We're going to see who can climb to the top of this tree. <laughs> I'm going to need you to put your undies on. We're going to see who can climb this tree the fast. Okay. <laughs> you, me. Hey, Dorshanko, come here. <laughs> Dorshanko. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. Is Dorshanko, come here. Yuri. No, not you, Yuri. The other Yuri. Nope. Also, not you, Yuri. The, the third yeah, Yuri. Come here. We're going to race thir- up the this. third out of five Yuris. Um, I really like to think that they're like the rednecks of the Soviet Union oh, when you dude. already live in the outskirts. Oh, you know they are. man. A hundred percent, dude. For sure. No, but yeah. so they, they did find pieces of their flesh and their skin and the bark of this tree pretty high up, actually, like 20, 25 feet up this tree. They found pieces of flesh and skin. Um, and it could very possibly, as you said, be because they were being chased by something. So they try to scale the tree really quickly, basically in, in, in their, in their skivvies. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's cold. So parts of your skin kind of come off in the tree. Other people said that they were going up into the tree because they wanted the dry wood. It wasn't until two months later when the snow started to melt, they actually found the other four bodies, not the ones, uh, under the big tree, the cedar tree at the tree line and not the ones heading back up. They found the, the, the other four bodies. These four bodies were found about 200 feet deep in the woods and they were down in a ravine. Okay. So from all this interesting.com, which is a website that if you guys haven't checked out, you should, there's a bunch of cool stuff. Um, so Nikolai, who was 23, he suffered significant damage to his skull in the moments just before his death. Whereas I love this name, Lyudmila Dubininia. I like it. I like Lyudmila, it. Lyudmila, Lyudmila, if you just slur Dubinia. it, it makes it easier to like, it sounds Russian. Uh, it was intended to be slurred for sure. Yeah. Um, and Simeon Zolotoryov, he was 38. He had major chest fractures that could, uh, and they said that they could only be caused by some sort of an immense force, but it was like, 
comparable to that of a car crash. Wow. Um, I'm going to take the second just just to touch on this. So Simeon Zolotyarov was 15 years older than everybody else on this expedition. And he was an implant into it later on. There was another group of people who were doing the exact same, close to the same uh, trek that these guys were doing up, you know, the mountain of dead people. That group didn't work out. Right. And so he kind of implanted himself with this group. And at first they weren't excited to have him, Simeon. They didn't want him with them. He's 15 years older than everybody. He's ex-KGB. He's covered in tattoos, um, but he proved himself pretty quickly to be uh, a useful asset. But this guy was not originally part of the group, so there's a lot of conspiracies about this guy. I'm not thinking about the group. I'm thinking about him. So you're 38, right? I'll be 39 in December, yes. I'm 39. 39 years fun. Can you imagine being stuck out in the woods with a bunch of 22-year-olds doing their TikTok videos? (laughs) 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 A nightmare. Hello, fellow high schoolers. (laughs) Yeah. Do do you guys, are you guys going to see the music band tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this guy uh, gets in with them, but apparently he ended up working out. Like it it, it worked well. Until it didn't. Well, Very until they did. all died yeah. to death. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so he had major chest injuries that they, even the, the people who did the autopsy said that it was something that like a car crash would, would cause. Here's the thing. There was no tissue bruising on any of the nine they found. Nobody that they found had tissue bruising that in any way would correlate to the, the to the injuries that they had, right? The like, impact that they had. Yeah, yeah, these impacts should have caused bruising to the tissue, but they it wasn't there. You ha- okay? How do you have an impact so hard that it crushes ribs? It breaks your lungs till you're like puking up gray stuff, but you don't have any bruising on the outside. No, it just happened on the inside. All of these injuries just they happened on the inside. There's no happenings on the outside. It doesn't make sense. That's bizarre. It's so bizarre. And and it gets worse, man. Dubonina, her tongue was missing. Her eyes were missing. Part of her lips were missing. And she, like, facial tissue was, was like, torn off of her face. No eyes, no tongue. Yeah, check that. Yeah, and she also had, like you said, broken ribs. She had 10 broken ribs, and it only gets worse, J-Dog. Did she have a bad hangnail or something? Like, how can it be worse? <laughs> no, no. She had about 100 grams of coagulated blood in her stomach. So, yeah, that means that her tongue was removed while her heart was still beating. She was still alive while her tongue was removed. So also this group, the final four corpses they found deeper into the woods, were wearing multiple layers of clothes. Um, They were also found they had dug out. Almost like not an igloo exactly, but they dug out a place in the snow to protect themselves from the elements. They had dug themselves out an encampment to protect themselves. Yeah. And the fact that they were wearing some of the clothes that belonged to the other three that were found dead, like that could explain it's fashion week in Soviet Russia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm exactly. sorry. No, I mean, that could explain, though, why why there were... Well, Yuri is wearing the nice... Uh, <laughs> He's got the sorry. nice deerskin. <laughs> He's wearing the Doroshenko. <laughs> That's so I see stupid. you are wearing the Doroshenko. <laughs> I do want the Doroshenko. I'm taking it. <laughs> it's mine now. <laughs> so, yeah, also this group, they were wearing some of the clothes that belonged to the other three who were found near the cedar tree. And, and that would actually make sense, Justin, if you think about it. Like, the first three that were under the cedar tree, they died, so they don't need their clothes anymore, so the surviving members took them. That that kind of makes sense. Yeah, 
it could explain that. Um, what it definitely does do is show that not everybody died at once. Yeah. All these people died in, in uh, a different succession based on like who has clothes on, who decomposed at a certain rate. Like what for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to make things even weirder, Alexander Kolevatov was found in the same location, but he had almost no wounds. Nothing like he had no impact wounds, no nothing. So weird. So weird. Here's another really creepy fact, Jay. The clothes on at least two of the bodies were found to be radioactive. That's a weird thing because here's the deal. If the clothes were radioactive, but the people were not, that doesn't make sense. It is weird, isn't it? Also, the fact that the uh, Russian government decided to check for radiation. Why? (laughs) Just the fact they checked I found a bunch of dead bodies on a mountain. You know, we're going to check. We're pulling a Geiger counter out. Let's go check and see if they're radioactive. (laughs) That's a good point. Why? That's a good point. You knew something. You knew something. Something, Otherwise, like, okay, have you ever been in a wreck bill? Yes, I have. Yeah, did anybody check you for radi- radiation? No, they did not. Okay, just making sure. Just getting yeah, that's a good point, Jay. The group also had a camera with them, and the last photo in the camera was the 33rd photo on the roll. And this photo appears to have captured a series of white lights in the darkness. We got to you do it better than I do. So to further add to the spookiness, at the same time around when this incident happened, the other hikers in the area had also reported seeing glowing lights and orbs. The Soviet government closed this case, I mean, immediately. Real quickly. Uh, they cited it as a, quote, compelling natural force, end quote. They speculated that either the hikers caused their own demise you know, because I inflicted a lot of internal wounds to myself with no tissue <laughs> damage on the side of a Siberian right. mountain called the island and the mountain of death and corpses and everything is death bad. Mountain, yeah. Yeah. Or that it was a natural disaster that killed them. Uh, there are, we'll get into it here at the end. Um, it's fairly vague. It, it is. Um, the government completely closed off the area for three years. You know, not sus at all. As one will do. Yeah. Flash forward to the 90s. If you will, come with me, everybody. Come with me to the 90s. 90s. Ace of Base is crushing at the skating rink, straight up seeing the sign and opening up our eyes. (laughs) Neon fanny packs are stuffed full of Beanie Babies. OJ Simpson, beloved, but not for a whole lot longer. (laughs) And the Russian government declassifies the documents regarding the Dietlov Pass incident. So this, of course, led to lots and lots of theories about what happened to these hikers. One of the initial theories was that the hikers were murdered by the local Manzi tribesmen. I don't, I don't, yeah, I can't believe that. They were not a a, a confrontational people. They just yeah. weren't. Yeah, I mean, it would explain why they left in a hurry, but they were peaceful people. Uh, that, that doesn't really hold water. And the damage to the hikers' bodies exceeded the blunt force trauma that a human could inflict. Plus, there were no other footprints found on the scene aside from the hikers. Yeah. That's the craziest stuff to me. You can't, a human being could not inflict these kind of wounds on another human being. It's like, what if you had uh, an, uh, the sledgehammer, sledgehammer or an axe or like three shovels yeah. swung at once? I don't know. But even then, you'd still have tissue damage, right? Like, right. None of this makes sense. No, no, absolutely not. So, blunt force trauma sounds like it would be. A sick, 
hip hop super group. <laughs> I would listen to that. I'd buy that album, man. Yeah, another another theory is that uh, the hikers were hit by an avalanche. So wait, so so you mean to tell me, Justin, that they named a natural disaster after the Chevy Avalanche? <laughs> Let's okay, go with right, yes. We'll Let's go with yes. It was a natural disaster. The Chevy Avalanche was actually yep, a natural agreed. disaster. Have you seen what those look like? So bad. Why the, is that plastic, plastic stuff paneling? on the Why? Yeah, don't do why? that. It's not a, it doesn't. Uh, so an avalanche would again explain why the hikers fled camp in a hurry. Like the sound of an approaching avalanche would certainly trigger that response. But here's the thing. Right. Uh, if it was like a false alarm. Right. These guys are guys and gals are, are very knowledgeable when it comes to again outdoorsmanship, outdoors mm-hmm. personship, yep. Um, if you thought you heard an avalanche coming down, you're you're camped out on the side of this mountain, right? Of right. death, <laughs> and like, like best way to say it. Um, and fresh snowpack is a thing. That's when a lot of avalanches happen. If it's old snow, it begins to like freeze, melt. Freeze, melt, freeze, melt, and it kind of it, it gets pretty sturdy. But whenever you have all this fresh snow, that's whenever you can have big avalanches. And so, if they heard the sounds of you know the of the beginnings of an avalanche as experienced outdoors people, they would immediately be like, "We have to get out of here right now." Yeah, I mean, like, uh, let's get yeah, out of here right now. Absolutely. I don't think that that's what happened. I have my own theories and opinions, but the sound of an approaching avalanche. Would trigger that response. Let's get out of here. Yeah. I don't understand why you would cut yourself out of the tent to do that. There's a door. A door. <laughs> right. Did you put up a tent that did not have an entrance yeah, and an exactly. exit? Did you cut your way into the tent? <laughs> and then sew it back closed so one must cut themselves out of the here, tent. To leave? Here's the deal, dude. Whoever was driving that Chevy Avalanche was blaring the new Blunt Force Trauma album, and they like were like, "Oh, shit, we gotta listen to this," and like cut out so quick so they could go here. Like <laughs> Dr. Dre's like, it's, "Oh it's my so gosh, <laughs> sick!" So ultimately, uh, there wasn't really any physical evidence to support the avalanche theory. There also has never been an avalanche reported in this area before or since. Or since, okay, cool, cool, cool. I mean, <laughs> I mean. Seems to seems to be a, a fairly weak theory there. I mean, the tents were still standing. Think about that. It feels like an avalanche would have been able to knock over some tents, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it can do all this kind of internal damage to these folks, but the tent stands. Yeah. Maybe it was a really well built tent. Maybe they were yeah. Eagle Scouts. <laughs> like double double Eagle Scouts. <laughs> what's the what's the equivalent to Eagle Scout in, in Mother Russia? Hammer and Sickle Scout. Is that what it is? Okay. No, I'm cool with that. That works. That place. I mean, the prevailing theory here is that the hikers were all just victims of hypothermia. When victims experience hypothermia, it is common that they will perceive that they're actually overheating and they'll like remove all their clothes. Sexy. Yeah, absolutely. It's called paradoxical undressing. I've got the weirdest boner right now. <laughs> <laughs> all your boners are weird, though. <laughs> Damn. I'm in, okay. in a good way. Okay. okay. <laughs> but in a good way? In a good way. It's called paradoxical undressing. The hypothalamus malfunctions and the body thinks it's overheating. Often victims of hypothermia are found frozen to death, having stripped off most or all of their clothes. So back to the second group of bodies, the damage to these corpses could also be caused by falling over the edge of a massive ravine and the missing eyes, facial tissue and tongues could be explained by animals eating them, which I don't. 
I man, that's I don't I don't feel like that's what happened. But yeah. again, this is one man's opinion, but that uh, doesn't explain why they left their tent in such a hurry. Yeah, I mean I I for one could see hypothermia as like the ultimate explanation. Like that's that's what ultimately killed them. But you know, it also makes sense to me that falling off of a ravine could cause such bodily harm. Like that makes sense too. But not without tissue damage. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. That definitely doesn't add up. Maybe the cold had some, I'm not sure, you know, I've thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like if their heart stopped beating, then it didn't send blood to the area that would be bruised. Your heart stopped beating. And then you fell off the edge of the cliff. Like you were standing on the edge of a ravine and then you, if it hit so hard, it exploded your heart. So you immediate, I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. That's the thing about me that, but I did stay at a holiday and express us <laughs> if you're not old enough to get that joke you're not old enough to listen to this podcast here's the thing though dude something scared the out of this group yes. something scared them so that they left their camp in a hurry yeah which kind of brings us to some of the more like woo-woo explanations um again it's like yeah you, uh, so you wrote this in, um, like, what are the options? What could it be? It could be like Russian Bigfoot. And I'm like, it's a Yeti, you racist. <laughs> I'm just saying. In Soviet Russia, Bigfoot take blurry photo of you. That was all. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> I keep it in because it's so bad. So, of course, the mysterious lights that were seen on frame 33 in that camera were reported by other hikers around the time of the incident. Alien activity is linked to nuclear activity, you know, if you believe in aliens, I guess. Speaking of nuclear activity, though, the small amount of radioactivity detected on some of the bodies led others to theorize that the group was killed by some sort of secret radioactive weapon. Like, they happened upon, like, Russia's Area 51, and they saw way too much. You say that as a joke, but there are similarities to this in Area 51. The pass is located between two nuclear testing facilities, and for years, Russian government would shut down anybody that tried to look into the Dyatlov Pass mystery. There was something that they didn't want people to know. It's also interesting to note clearly that the funerals they were had the bodies were reported to have a weird orange tint to the skin that can also be attributed to the fact that you were exposed to el- the elements right and whatnot i mean you're but you're cold as shit. like well, you're out there. <laughs> i mean the orange skin they were trumpified oh my gosh huge very beautiful very mysterious ask anybody <laughs> is that your so trump impersonation jaina <laughs> what <laughs> it's huge it's very beautiful they're mysterious. Asking you, but everybody says so. <laughs> I, think, I think yours is worse than mine somehow. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, get, get, get it, get it, get it together, Bill. I'll start tomorrow. So, Lev Ivanov, Lev Ivanov. Yeah, I like this guy. See, at least he has an easy name to say. He was the lead investigator. He noted that the pines near where the bodies were found were burned at the top of the trees. Mm. He was also told by the Soviet government to keep quiet about this stuff at the time. Other hikers in the area did report seeing orange orbs flying through the sky, and many believe that this was evidence of weapons testing. Mm. This was between two weapons testing sites in the Soviet Union. Yeah. So here's the thing. If they had been killed by some Soviet microwave beam of death, (laughs) 
<laughs> they would have probably had a lot more radiation than what was found. Also, these two guys, so the guys with the radiation, they had said that what had happened, they had also cleaned up a radioactive site at some point in time, like two years before. They're like, well, that's probably why they have radiation on them. So they never washed those clothes between uh, two years before when they cleaned that up and now? You're only allowed to have one shirt per decade if you live in Russia, right? Dude, like, <laughs> I'm t- we're both wearing the same shirt right now. That is true. Again. <laughs> but no, like, there's no way that that kind of radiation from cleaning up a radioactive site earlier was causing this. But there's seriously no way that a microwave beam of death would have that caused this, people say. I, on the other hand, really buy into this theory. Really? Oh, interesting. Oh, so yeah. we'll get into it. Go ahead. I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'm yeah. down oh, no, with this, no, no, no. This yeah, is yeah, one of we'll my favorite theories. So go yeah, ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. It, it could have been aliens, man. It could have been nuclear testing. This is a cool theory, and this is one that I personally think has a lot of merit. So there's this unusual weather event known as infrasound. Infrasound. It's also known as the Carmen Vortex Street Low Frequency Wind Effect. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. It's caused by a specific <laughs> wind pattern that causes low frequency sound waves that can lead humans to have panic attacks. It's kind of an unproven science, though. I mean, I, I, could, paranoia. I, yeah, I, I couldn't find online anything that proved for sure that it was a real thing, but scientists do think it's real. It's an octave lower than what the the actual human ear can hear. Yeah, it's an octave lower. We Just so hear. if anybody wants to look it up, it's right. It's the car. It's, it's, it's K-A-R-M-A-N Vortex yeah. Street Low Frequency Wind. Yeah, it's an octave I mean, below what we can hear. It's like that. It's like that bass drop in the new Blunt Force Trauma album. <laughs> <laughs> it's why we all jammed out so hard. To, I saw the sign at Magic oh, Wheels. Man, so good, so good. Did you know that one of the guys in Ace of Base was like a neo-Nazi? Like for no, real? Are you serious? Yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah that yeah. opened up my eyes just now, and I saw the sign. Yeah. <laughs> Life is demanding without understanding. He changed his ways. So yeah, I had no idea, Bill. So in 2019, the Russian government reopened the investigation. Unfortunately, it did not really answer any questions. And I I got it so excited for a second. Here's what actually happened. We're going to tell you. No, they're not going to do that. Uh, in July of 2020, the official story from the Russian government is that the hikers died of hypothermia after an avalanche pushed them out of their tent <laughs> into the cold. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they left the case labeled as unsolved. I mean, they seriously, like, if, if you look it up, you, what little information you can get from the Russian government, but you can look it yeah, up and I you mean, can see it, it says that it's, it's an unsolved case. It's not so satisfying, right? <laughs> oh no, I feel really great about the end of it. You're like, oh, so what happened? I don't, I don't yeah. know, but yeah, I've we don't got have, all kinds we, of opinions. And Justin, that seems like a pretty good place to take a break to me. What do you think, man? Uh, it's a fine place to take a break. We'll see you guys yeah. right back after these commercials from our sponsors. Make sure you buy some stuff. Yeah, it's probably vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Thank you for sticking around through the break. We are glad you didn't die in a blizzard or by a... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Glad you didn't yeah. die during a blizzard. Yeah. Thanks for coming back for the second half of Dead Love Pass. Dead Love Pass, comrade. Where, where Spring Break shoots you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that. But here, all right, so the mountainside where all this occurred was named the Dyatlov Pass in honor of the expedition. Don't go places that don't have names. Do sketchy sh- So, J-Rock, what do you think happened to this expedition? Okay. People are going to think it's... All right, so you have, like, woo-woo stuff, mm-hmm. and then you have actual theories. I think what actually happened was that they were doing... We joked about the like you know microwave test beams from Russia or whatever. Yeah, I honestly think because we were so close to like the Cold War era, the Bay of Pigs, all of these things. I honestly think that they were testing some wild, wild weapons because we know it's between two different test bases. I think that the lights that were seen in the sky were some of the rockets or missiles that they were launching over this o- o- over this area. They did not give a flying fuck about these indigenous folks, right? Like, right. like most yeah. indigenous folks around the planet, th- the local governments don't care about those people. So this is where we test our stuff. They also didn't really realize that there were going to be a bunch of, like, comrades on spring break. (laughs) So these people are walking through this pass, and they're doing late-night testing on this stuff. They get halfway up the mountain. Again, this is just how I feel. I'm I'm listening, dude. I I love this. I love it. So they get halfway up the mountain. and, And what we said was real. They get halfway up. Probably they think, I don't want to go back to the tree line. I want to test setting up base camp on the side of a mountain so that when we make the summit, we can do this, right? And so they're there. But now they're out in the open, and the Russian government is testing crazy, like, heat waves, like, radiation stuff. Yeah. I honestly believe that they were testing weapons during the Cold War during this time, and that's what happened so it would explain the tops of the trees having branches out of them and being burned it would explain why the people would leave their tents and cut them out really quickly and run because they look they hear this thing they think it's an avalanche but it's not something scared the yeah something scared the shit out of these folks and and they're They're experienced hikers so what they did they hear this crazy sound like oh my gosh that's an avalanche right we got to get out of here. But the concussion of the bomb that comes sweeping across that side of the mountain, mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh. So they cut them. They, they, they cut their way out. Here we come down the mountain. So I think when they left, they left in such a hurry that some people did not have clothes on 
but they were honestly in fear for their life. They thought th- th- the avalanche yeah. was happening. Very intense sound but they, scared them. Yeah. But but the 33rd frame of that camera showed an orb in the sky. It wasn't a UFO. That's not what they saw. Now, given they thought that's what that was, that was not a UFO. It was Russian missile testing during the Cold War. So they they, they see this coming over. It's a UFO. It's whatever. No. They were using like heat wave beams because the Russians were at, they right. were, they were testing heat waves. So were we. Well, that's how the microwave was invented. It was originally planned to be a weapon. Yes. And then they realized like, oh, this, we can cook food with it. We can also cook TV dinners with this. Legitimately. <laughs> we should do an episode on like things that were initially going to be. Weapons that became. That turned out yeah. to be. <laughs> That it became convenient household things. So I honestly think the, 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 the Russians were testing weapons through there because otherwise there's no reason that they would have blocked this section of this pass off for three years. And people had radiation on their clothing. And the only ones who had radiation on their clothing were the ones that lasted the longest. I honestly believe they were testing weapons and these Nine poor saps just happened to be in the middle of it. And all of a sudden, you've got a bunch of dead folks. It explains the burns. It explains um, the internal injuries, but not the tissue damage. I mean, how, how else do you get those kind of internal injuries without having tissue damage on the outside? There's a blast that happens, but there's radiation involved. There's a blast that happens, but it doesn't... I know it sounds all woo-woo. No, no. I, for me to I, say I like this. It, man. Yeah, but yeah. it makes sense. No. Like, how how else do you explain that? I don't trust you that you're not doing this. <laughs> right. Just on the side. We do it, too. I mean, Americans do it. The Chinese do it. We all do this. We all test, like, real weird weapons. And when they don't actually, like, play out right, we act like it didn't happen. Now, oftentimes, you don't have a hiking group of, like, nine people who happen to be in the middle of it when it happened, right? Like, so we got to cover that up which is why you would shut down that side of the mountain for nine people for three years. You're like, no, 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 no. Yet, 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 yet. That's what I think. I'm curious what you think. I'm I, I, sorry. That was my big rant. No, 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 it's good. It's good. I honestly, when I listen to this kind of stuff, I'm more willing to lean into that over the Yeti or the alien or the whatever. Now, Hey, I'm cool with the Yeti and the alien ideas. Like that's cool. But when it, like the way I look at it, no, it's a it's a shitty world power who did something stupid and some people got caught up in the middle of it. And the next thing you know, these people got burned to death. Why are there burns on their hands and their arms and their tongues are gone? It was people who ate them. No, it wasn't like animals that went and ate their tongues and stuff. Radiation does crazy so, stuff to you. And that's what I think happened. I actually, I mean, I like that. I, what I think is it was actually Yeti aliens. <laughs> 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 Yeti aliens. I, I mean, like <laughs> legit though. I actually, I like. I you, you've just about convinced me. I, I really like your argument. My, my thought going into this before I heard your argument was, I, I really do like the infrasound uh, suggestion. I think something led to a panic attack. But that's the same. They're still testing something, right? Now I can absolutely agree that that could be it as well. Yeah, I, this, I think the that, United States yeah. have used that kind of warfare using audible. Warfare, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like we've yeah. used that. Yeah, I think something. I think something scared them, and they. I think eventually it was hypothermia that killed most of them, except for the ones that fell into a ravine. Which, 
I'd be interested to see. I don't know if there's doctors out there or anyone that's listening that could tell us, like, if you fall and immediately die, your heart immediately stops beating and you're in freezing conditions. Do you bruise? I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. Could you could you cut your could you bite your tongue off in that in that fall? No. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I like your, I like your, um, your explanation, man. I, I think there's, I think there's something to that. You were convincing in it, but yeah, my, my initial thought was just cause I speak loudly and with passion doesn't mean that I'm convinced. No, like, I think it was a good, I, yeah. Does that mean I'm convincing? Yep. Cause it's like, no, this is what happened. <laughs> okay, Justin. All right. All right. It's what happened. Yeah. Something, I think something scared them. I think that they, no one has ever cut themselves out of a tent because they, because they weren't scared. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I I don't, I don't know that we'll ever know specifically what happened to this group. Um, sadly, you know, I think the only people that, that would know that are buried in the Mikalov cemetery in Yekaterinburg. We'll never know. It's like, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? A one, a two, a three. A three? <laughs> a three. It's three. A three. And then he like jumps into it like the world may never know. So what does that bring us to, Justin? It brings us to a part of the show oh, that we like. Oh, yeah. Say it, Bill. Say it, Bill. You do your do your thing. Listener email. Listener email. I don't like the... I'm, I'm liking it less and less these days because, like, your pion pions have less vigor than they once did. There was All a right, time. Well, let's try it again. Let's try it again. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not going back. We're not going back. There was a time <laughs> in our lives whenever you used to pion pion like you meant it. Pion, pion, pion. See, it just seems fake at this point. <laughs> so we're going to listener email. We've got a bunch of good listener email this week that we do from amelia Earhart. you got one absolutely i got one from steph in knoxville so this is in response to uh renee's email about uh keeping it pg or or g-rated and not cursing so steph writes in and says i'm listening to you guys for your personalities almost more so than topics and if you have to reel it in obviously that's still cool but i just don't want it to affect the authenticity of course, I'm way over the top of my humor, so I'm not a great metric, but that's my two cents. I enjoyed the episode. I learned a ton, and I actually didn't know most of that stuff. So, you know, I mean, a lot of the topics that we're covering, Justin, aren't really topics that you would want children to listen to. Like, for example, today's episode, <laughs> you know? Oh, no, these are like <laughs> bedtime stories, right? Like, this is what you want your kids to listen to is like... As I lay me down to sleep, a bunch of Russians die. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's, <laughs> I it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good counterpoint. I mean, you and I both do cuss like sailors when we're not being recorded for a, a podcast. So. Yeah, make a sailor blush kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. So uh, I, I do. We do appreciate the uh, the feedback, Steph. Thank you. Thank for that. you we're so much. Take that into account. Yeah. Uh, we've got another one. Uh, this is a frequent flyer. Oh, nice. This okay. is our friend. Yeah, this is our friend Chase. Chase Aldrich. Hey, what's up, Chase? He had he had written in um, and said that uh, the theme music for FAFO uh, is apparently a Jay White original. You Did you not know that? You didn't know that? I didn't know that. I've never said it. I've never actually said it on 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 mic, on, on air. Like, yeah, this... 
the music you guys hear whenever the the welcome comes in the bump music that's that's all mine i i wrote all that oh gee original. music played it recorded it whatever yeah that's me and if you like the listener email which you're listening to right now Ooh, in the background what you're listening to right now this music behind this um is bill west that's me, guys. That's me. It's a Bill West original. That's an original. Yeah, all it's the music bu- is original. It bumps. Yeah. It bumps. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. It's not blunt force trauma, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, dude, I, I seriously want to know what blunt force trauma sounds like. <laughs> they hit hard, dog. <laughs> I feel like it's just like ambulance sounds <laughs> over an EDM beat. It's just like... Wow, 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 wow. Like I, it's like something really horrible, but good in some but ways. Horrible but good, yeah, like us. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> us. So we got one more coming for you. Uh, we've got a listener who, uh, Bill, are you going to do this one? Do you want me to do this one? I think I think you're the best reader of the two of us. I'm going <laughs> to take it, buddy. <laughs> you got it, man. Take All right, it. So we got one more listener email coming to you guys. Um, this is a listener email that's actually kind of cool because it's it's about the Amelia Earhart episode, but it's from one of our listeners telling a story about his dad. From the Amelia Earhart episode, we asked if you had any crazy stories about flight. And our listener, Ben Curry in Memphis, Tennessee, he talked to his old man. And his old man wrote in a, uh, a really good email to us. Unfortunately... We know Ben, but we, we don't know what his dad is. So, Mr. Curry, thank you for writing in. This is Mr. Curry's story about being an airline pilot. So, this is from Ben's dad. I spent 37 years as an airline pilot for a major U.S. airline. And I have a pretty good story for you guys. That's us here at FAFO and all you guys as Me, listeners. All of us. So, on March the 11th, 2011, I was flying a trip on a Boeing 777 aircraft from JFK, that's in New York, uh, to Narita International Airport in Tokyo, Japan. When I was on my final approach, about 500 feet off the ground, air traffic control informed me to pull up and to go around. I wasn't sure why, but I complied with their instructions. I look out the window and I could see smoke and fires billowing from the ground in various places. About Whoa. 30 minutes later, after being in what's called a holding pattern, doing circles at about a thousand feet, I was informed that the major earthquake that hit that area at that time, we all remember that, yeah, there was a major earthquake. Uh, it caused a tsunami as well. Uh, had just took yeah. place. Fukushima. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Fukushima destroyed. Yeah, um, I was one of many airplanes in the air trying to land. The holding pattern had airplanes stacked at a thousand feet apart, going up to twenty thousand feet. Since I was on the bottom of the stack, I was the last to be able to leave the pattern. At this point, we began heading west to find another airport to land the plane. Since I was running very low on fuel after a 14-hour flight, this is an international flight. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah there was no airports open. So homeboy, he's running out of air. Yeah, he's running out of fuel. Yeah. Looking for somewhere to, to land. He said, I saw the low fuel light come on in the cockpit, which is the first and only time I've seen this light illuminate in my 37-year career. 
bro, this is like terrifying. Put a lump of coal in your butt and like poop out a diamond. You diamond. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, I didn't have a place to land, and I only had 45 minutes before we ran out of fuel. Oof. I used to fly a C-130 cargo plane in the Air Force and remembered that I landed in Yokota Air Base, which is in Japan. It's a U.S. and Japan joint air base. Um, and I determined that I was close. I told the three other pilots... This is where we are landing. Yeah. No questions. Like, nobody's going to... No, we are landing here. Don't argue with me. <laughs> so I proceeded to yeah. land in order to refuel. I couldn't let any passengers off the plane since there wasn't a customs on the airbase. I wouldn't have even thought about that. Like, yeah. 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 Um, we ended up taking back off a few hours later and landing at another airport that opened up for... A select few airplanes. When we finally departed, the passengers had been on the plane for 27.5 hours oh, total. man. That's over a day, dude. Oh, uh, he man. says it's a hell of a day that I will never forget. That's insane. That is an insane story. So you are, you're about to land the plane, and then you just see shit exploding all over the place. Like, there's an earthquake... I've never thought about that being a thing, but all these planes in a convoy, like that's insane. The idea of looking at an active tsunami happening and you got smoke coming up from houses and homes and businesses and whatnot, and you're like, what? And I'm trying to land a plane? Yeah. This guy, hey. Nuts. Big props. Ben Curry's dad, right? Yeah, Mr. Curry. Yeah, Mr. Yep. Curry. Well, Bill, thank you so much for being a part of this episode yet again. J-Rock, thank you for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. And guys, if you're listening right now, thank you so much. We appreciate you all from the bottom of our hearts and the hearts of our bottoms. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for spreading the word and giving us those five-star reviews, for sending us emails and text and all that good stuff. Write to us, factaroundandfindout at gmail.com. You'll hear me in just a couple of seconds coming back in for the, uh, the exit. Bill, thank you again. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for listening to Factor Run and Find Out. We will talk to you guys next week on Wednesday. See ya. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in to Factor Run and Find Out. Sorry that this episode came out a little later in the day on Wednesday than it normally does. The sinuses, man, they're getting us all. They're getting Bill. They're getting me all of our households everybody's just sinusy and, and and feels gross we do have a really great episode coming up though um this next week i hope that you guys tune in for that one make sure you're doing the like make sure you're doing the subscribe the five star rating all of those good things hope you guys enjoyed uh listening to my very convoluted theory of what i think happened um with the the, the hikers on the dietlov pass I know I got a little rambly there. This I, I like these kind of episodes because it's it's you can just say what you think happened because nobody actually knows. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you guys next week with a really great episode. Bill, I hope you feel better. Justin, I hope I feel better. <laughs> and I hope that all you guys can make it through this uh, fake fall, maybe actual fall that we're having in the South right now without having the same sinus congestion that the rest of us are having. We will see you guys next time. As Bill would say, see ya. And as I would say, I hope you guys have a good rest of your afternoon, morning, day, 
whatever time of day it is for you. <laughs>